Hey, listen up. When you want to find amazing rates, organize your finances, or simply make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. You can monitor your credit score. You can explore ways to improve your credit. You can get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you are getting your very best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Plus, LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights in to help you save money and reach all your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or simply make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. And best of all, there are no subscriptions, there are no fees, there is no hassle. Just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. Then see why thousands, thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. This is like big business where there are thousands if not millions of people that want to take your job and they want that notoriety the accolades the money whatever that comes around with being in the nba so obviously it's a super competitive hey scalp preach that is so good dude yes <laughs> well i'm yes. sure you run around plenty yes. of entitled guys now yes. right? hey what's going on welcome to episode 196 of the gym Rome podcast I got to admit, we have been on a big-time heater right here on the pod, a 195-episode heater, and it continues this week because I am joined by the White Mamba himself, 11-year NBA vet Brian Scalabrini. And as we've all seen him do, Scal brings enormous energy off the bench and right here into the original side hustle. Back in his playing days, he helped transform the hoops culture at USC as a standout baller there. Then he crushed it for more than a decade in the association as the ultimate bench menace. Even bagged himself a Lario in the process. Now he is mastering the media side of the game in retirement, holding it down with NBC Sports Boston and Sirius XM NBA Radio. If you know the man at all, you know he's got a ton to say, so let me get the hell out of the way so he can start spitting fire. It's episode 196 with NBA vet Brian Scalbrini, and it comes at you right now. So, Brian, you and I have not talked in a moment or so. First of all, bring me up to date. The season has obviously started. You're working with the Celtics on their telecast. You've got a daily radio show on Sirius XM. You've got a full-time gig as a family man. You've got three kids. How you living, my man? How are things? I'm living I'm living great. Like, I, I do love my life. The media life is a good life for retired players, right, instead of, you know, grinding with the coach. But you are amazing from this standpoint. You asked me a couple days ago and now we're on the day after the Celtics are the biggest news around the NBA your producer whoever booked me they knew what they were doing for today's uh show oh dude I'm good like that right I I can see shit before it happens that's how yes. I knew all right so before we get to your career and by the way Brad I want to talk to you about your career I think your career and your basketball life really is amazing but what we're talking about here is what you're referencing the struggles of the team and the team is struggling Marcus Smart 
took the team's two young guns, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, to task after Monday's collapse against the Bulls, saying, man, they've got to get their teammates more involved. They've got to do a better job of moving the ball. Fact of the matter is, I've heard you say that before. I heard you say that before the season started. So I'm curious, what was your reaction to hearing that from Smart, and what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think that... It's one of those things where everybody knows it has to happen. But the way that he described it, and I don't, I don't blame him. He's, I, I know for Marcus Smart, he's probably charged up after that game. They got outscored 39 to 11 in the fourth quarter, and they, they haven't played well this season. But there's like the NBA is a funny league, and it's an ever evolving league. And if the Celtics want to be great, like just passing the basketball doesn't do it, Jim. You have to have that aggressive mindset, get downhill, you know, break that free throw line. And then when you do go up now, if it's just one there and you can finish it, you do it. But if two guys come, then you got to make that simple play to another guy. So it's a complex uh, thing for the, for this, for the young guys. And Jim, I'll never know what it's like to be those guys who score, you know, these 25 points a game and what they're seeing when they're getting downhill. And do they think like, I could score on two guys, I could score on three guys, but for the Celtics to be good, and these two guys are the pillars of the franchise, you have to be in attack mode, and then they call it a rim read when you get there. Their rim reads have to improve. So, of course, like Marcus Smart's bringing up like all kinds of other issues. The issue is simply this. Can you be in attack mode and still find your teammates? And if you can, then you can be a top 10 player in this league that affects winning. And Jalen Brown can be a top 15 player in this league by affecting winning. But you have to do it, and you got to do it every single night. It can't be... One night you do it, you have seven assists. The next two games, you've got zero assists because you want to get your scoring average up. So it's just another level for those guys to grow. But Jason Tatum's 23 years old. Jalen Brown, you know, obviously these guys are accomplished. But if they want to take that next step, it's it, that next step is going to come from them being on the attack and making the right play when they get to the rim. Hey, listen, are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake. Don't grab a bar. Instead, reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried out, rough, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. And it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned, Teriyaki, Peppered, Hot and Spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, just grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Let me just ask you this. I mean, it came after a tough loss, right? They had a gigantic lead. They let it get away. The team's not off to a good start. So what do you make of Smart making those statements publicly? I would imagine he's not saying anything publicly that hasn't been said a number of times privately. What kind of an impact do you think that's going to have on the team? Do they rally around that, or is that going to be divisive? How is that going to play in the locker room? I don't know. So right out, I think what happened yesterday is Marcus Smart made those comments, and I don't know this to be – uh, factual but I think it got back to them and those guys decided to not talk to the media now I'm sure these things were said privately I think coach 
M.A. Udoka come out, came out right away and said, we got to become a better passing team. The Celtics are 27th in the NBA in assist percentage, and they want to move that up. And so then, and, and one thing about Coach Ime is he goes to the stars. Like, he calls out the best players. So you guys got to be great for us to be great. He's not, like, he's not dancing around, you know, these young, you know, superstars that are trying to be, you know, all NBA type of players. So I, I'm guaranteeing that it was said in the locker room, like you mentioned, but um, – but I think Marcus Smart just had enough. Like, like we need to do this or else we're going to continue to lose games. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Brian, you, you're right. And we got pretty lucky. We did actually ask you to come on, and you were very gracious enough to say yes right away before this all went down. So I appreciate your thoughts because you're right there front and center. So you're watching this. Your basketball life to me really is amazing. And I say this because, and I say this with all sincerity, you played 11 years in the league. You averaged three points per game, 13 minutes per game, yet still were able to stick in that league for more than a decade. And that, that to me is amazing. And I don't fully understand it in a sense. Like, how were you able to do that? That, And I mean this in yeah. all as a compliment. That is an amazing thing. How did you approach that? What was your mindset? Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing was, Jim, I was really lucky. If you think from the start, I got drafted by the New Jersey Nets and we went to back-to-back NBA finals. So I've, I've been around those winners. If I went to another team, okay, I'm a, well, you would consider a fringe player. Fringe players come and go all the time, right? But you're, on, you're a fringe player and you're on a team that goes to the NBA finals two straight years. Of course, they're going to bring you back. It's just like that's what people do when they win. They usually bring that guy the, the end of the bench back. So I got opportunity. And now, did I work? Yeah. Then I got a chance to play with Jason Kidd. And did he make me way better than I really was? Absolutely. And then in Boston, you know, like it was another one of those things where once we got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, now we were on a championship level team again. And I think coaches look at it like I would on the end of my bench on a championship level team. I need guys that could fill in when I need you. So if Kevin Garnett were to get hurt or Kendrick Perkins were to get hurt, Doc Rivers would go to me and he would want to start me. And then other nights I would not play at all or play at the end of games or not be in the rotation. And that's the type of trust that I usually had with my coaches. This is a guy we know we can count on. If if we need him to play a lot, he's going to know the scouting report. He's going to know how to play. He's going to help his teammates get better. But then he's not also going to sit there and bitch and gripe when he's not playing. Now, you know, like there are so many players that were better than me, but I think like that particular mindset allowed me to stick. And it probably didn't, it probably didn't allow me to grow into the best player I could be, but it allowed me to stick in the, in, in the league for 11 years. And, you know, I, I think overall I had the respect of my teammates because I never tried to make it about me. I, I really always tried to make it about, you know, the team and winning and stuff like that. Oh, 100%. Like you were absolutely totally self-aware and knew what you brought to it and what you were good at and maybe what you weren't as good at. I mean, you'd say that about anybody in the world. You did, however, have a, a fascinating explanation once in telling the New York Times, and I quote, being a white NBA player from the suburbs, I have to level up. People don't understand how a little bit nuts you have to be to sustain an NBA career, especially yeah. when you're not that talented. You have to be ready. You have to be up for the fight. You have to be like that every day. And if you're not, you lose your livelihood. That's me, Brian. It's fascinating. Like, lay that out. Like, a little bit yeah. nuts in what way? And specifically, who or what were you fighting? Well, I'm, I'm not like uh, I'm fighting for my livelihood, like you mentioned. But yeah, but this is not like I got to the NBA and this happened. This is, you know, like growing up in the suburbs and playing with my friends and becoming the best player there and then searching out 
different opportunities. And yeah, I think I read something somewhere where if you're comfortable, you're probably not doing it the right way. And I'm sure of all the guys, you can understand that, right? Yeah, like in this business that we're now in, if you're comfortable, you're probably not really moving the needle, right? So I seeked, I seeked out, I lived in uh, like a small town outside of Seattle and I started going to the gym and Jim, I, um, I basically got my ass kicked and that was like, that would qualify as a good day. If I played well, I would almost think it's like a wasted day. And I know it's backwards thinking because a lot of people now, they want to play good. They want to put their highlights on Instagram and all that stuff. But for me, it was like, if I'm not getting my ass kicked, I'm wasting my time. And that just kept on going. And that's how, you know, you get to that point where you're leveling up or you're, you know, this high school kid calling colleges and asking them if I could play pickup. It wasn't like my mom and dad calling. It wasn't my AAU calling. It was me like looking in the directory and saying, hey, I was wondering what time you guys play pickup. I'm thinking about coming by and playing. And they're like, and who are you? I'm like, I'm just this kid that wants to get better. So they would invite me. And then, you know, when you start running around those circles, you realize really quickly that if I'm walking onto a division two campus, Seattle Pacific University. Those guys give two shits who the hell I am. And they were coming at my head because they look at me as you don't belong here. But that is the exact environment that kept on going when I got to USC and I'm, you know, right walking on campus where everyone's already kind of established there or in the Pac-10 at the time and going against some of the best players or walking into an NBA training camp and people are going at your head like that that right there that prepared me when I was in high school calling and being uncomfortable all those years and having to level up with not I didn't bring my friends I didn't bring my mom I didn't bring my dad I didn't bring my my coach I just showed up got there it was just me and I just figured it out on the way and all that prepared me for being into the NBA that shit is so good hey check this from the very first moment I sat in my ex chair my body immediately was like ah this is incredible. This is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I'm telling you, I never actually look forward to sitting in my office until I got my X chair, and now I do. Fact. You tell me this. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? Mine can, because I've got an X chair. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can, and it's all in the L Max massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel that customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never ever be happy in any other chair ever again. Take my advice try X chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and get 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairrome.com. Where did that come from? Was that just a love of the game, a love of competition? Did you have a chip on your shoulder? Were you looking to prove something? Like the fact that you were doing that yourself, where did that come from? That internal drive? I I went to uh, like, I didn't, I didn't grow up playing AAU until my, until going into my senior year. Right. And I went down to Las Vegas and I got my ass kicked. Something fierce. And I thought I was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. I was like a decent all league player. And I would play against guys from you know, my neighborhood and all that. And I thought I was, you know, like the man. But when I went down to Vegas and 
And I just got rocked. Everybody was quick, athletic. Like every play was above the rim. You shot it. There were two guys up by the square. And I realized right away, like this life, if the way I'm trending right now, this is not for me. And it, it didn't, it cost me, like I'm still friends with my friends from high school, but I literally had to stop playing with my friends. And I had to like completely change my life because I, that, that memory stuck with me forever. Every, Every time I did something, I, I would always remember, like, remember when I thought that I was the man and I got my ass kicked down in Vegas? So now it's like everywhere I go, like I told you before, if I played well, I was like searching out somewhere else because I didn't want that feeling of complacency anymore. And I, I carry that over in my life. I'm, I carry that over now in, in broadcasting and I, I don't turn down a lot of jobs. Like when I got, when I first retired, people would offer me, like I, I was getting into the business. They were offering come work for free. I'd be like, I'm there, man. I'll do whatever I have to do. Cause it was the same mindset that I had when I was in um, high school. And then I just saying like, I did play 11 years and everything like that, but there was never a point in my life where I felt like entitled ever. I even when I was done playing and I was now moving on to something else, I never felt entitled. I always felt like I was a you know a bad possession away from losing it all. So that's like the mindset that I had. And I think, and that's what I was trying to explain to the New York times. Like they didn't, they don't understand. This is not like, child's play it's not fun and games it's not rec league or anything like that it's just like big business where there are thousands if not millions of people that want to take your job and they want that that notoriety the accolades the money whatever it comes around with being in the nba so obviously it's a super competitive hey scal fucking preach that is so good, dude. Yes. Well, I'm yes. sure you run around plenty yes. of entitled guys now. Yes, no. I feel the same way. Like, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path, but like I started this podcast called The Reinvention Project because as far down the road as I am, I'm in that similar kind of place where you can't keep doing the same shit because either you are getting better or you're getting worse. You're That's getting true. stronger or you're dying. Nobody stays the same. You understand this as well as anybody that that's exactly the case. You tell an amazing story also. Like when you came up with the Nets, you were talking about how you once went to Richard Jefferson's famous apartment, but only once. <laughs> why Why only once? And why did that day have such a profound impact on you? Jim, I'm, I'm going to set like a dream scenario for 99.999999% of the people in the world. Like I walked in to his apartment and there was... Victoria's Secret models there. <laughs> Only nines and tens, Jim. I can, if I lived in that environment, I'm out. <laughs> like, there's no way. You can't do it all. Like, you know, there are people that can, you know, like, but people, like, I look at the world as, like, the Jordans, the Bradys, like, you know, whoever the elite guy, those guys are outliers. Like, they, they can have the Victoria's Secret model wife and push and, like, Tom Brady with a wife like that can still go to the gym and work out eight hours a day. Like I'm not working out eight hours a day like that. That's just not how I roll. Right. So it's just, I went there, I saw the environment. It was fantastic. And I was like, as I'm driving home, I'm like, there's no way, there's no way I'm doing this. And I'll tell you another funny story. We go to Miami, we go to New York, we go to New Orleans, you go to LA, right? Jim, like when the players, are the elevators going down for those guys to go out to South Beach? And I know after what happens in South Beach, right? Which I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I actually, from my from my point of view, I really enjoy the fact that guys really like live their life. But when the elevator stopped, it stopped on the seventh floor, and that's the floor to the gym because I was going to get my extra stretching, my extra workouts in in those cities. Now, 
Now we go to Utah. I might go hit it. I might go out that night because I know that my players are going to be ready that night. There's not going to be any free minutes in Utah. But but on those in those type of environments, if one day these guys just don't have the go- the juice or the gas, then I'm going to get my number called and I have to take advantage of it. And one time down in New Orleans, like we were playing awful. I think we were down by 22 and guys were running in mud. And all of a sudden, Byron Scott calls my name, and and uh, I think I had like 19 that night because I didn't go out, and I had opportunities to go out. I didn't go out, and I was, you know, I was ready for my chance just in case that New Orleans were, was going to get the best of my team. Then I needed to be ready because those are the few and and far opportunities that I'm going to get in the NBA being a ninth man, 10th man, 11th man. And I, I took advantage of those. I think that's amazing. Also like that, that's the NBA life. Like that's part of the reason why you want to get in right to have the life. And you're like, yeah, I can't live that life. That's not who I am. I need to be ready. I got to get my rest. I got to fuel my body properly. I got to get in the gym. Let's take a moment to talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. So whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 9, totals for College Football Week 10, or both, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has that too. It's all right there with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means when playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best loyalty program in the entire industry. Call it a win-win. So whether you're playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the very best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. If you could just indulge me with this, because it's such an incredible story, and a lot of people know it, but not everybody does. You know, there's always going to be those young wannabes, the young guns, the guys. Like, to your point, the world's so different now than even when you played with social media and the young players and the evolution of the game. They're always going to want to be the young guns that want to test you out or feel like, hey, man, I want to see how I measure up. But but even worse, they don't want to test you. They think they already know, and they want to make sure they capture it on video so they can push it out on social. You know where I'm going with this. These high school kids roll up on you on a gym earlier this year in a gym for those who do not know what happened next all right so so i'll give you even a little bit more depth on yes, this story so I, my, my son my son probably at the time is seven and you know like all these lessons that we're having these conversations about like i'm i'm like they're not all happening every single day but i'm teaching these lessons to my son like you never back down from anybody. You look people square in the eyes and you you always got to be down for the fight. Like no matter what scenario is, you want to be scared, you could be scared, but you have to be down and you can never let this fear and never let doubt or all these things, right? So I'm shooting on my own court and these kids, high school kids are playing and this guy comes over and he starts going at me hard. And I didn't really want to play that day. I was like with my older daughter and they're about to play their pickup games. And one thing leads to another and the guy starts going at my head. And I look over at my son and my son is looking at me sideways like, really, dad? Like, you, you tell me to do this and you tell me to do that. 
Now you're getting called out and you're not doing anything. But he doesn't understand. Like, I'm, I'm Brian Scalabrini. I played in the NBA. I don't have to play this kid. But because he looked at me sideways, I felt like, man, I got to go over there. So I go over there and I'm trying to convince the guy not to play me. Like, I'll bet you, you know what, we're not going to play for free because I'm a pro and pros don't play for free. So let's play for your cell phone. I know how you kids love your cell phone. <laughs> and he was like, let's go then. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's really not going to back down. This is like a real thing now. So I say, like, I'm not going to take your cell phone, but let me play for your shoes instead, just so you can learn your lesson. So anyways, we start playing. I beat him 11-0. Most guys, like, they don't understand how big NBA players are. And I know, like, you watch TV, like, I look slow compared to, like, Russell Westbrook or Derrick Rose or whoever else you want to add out there. But I'm not slow compared to you. Like, you're not him, you know, so... So I go and play one-on-one. I beat him 11-0. And, um, and that, is, that is the like sort of the moral of the story is, you know, just like I would never in my mind think I'd go up to some major league pitcher and say, let's go. I'll hit one of your fastballs. Or even worse, like a running back uh, in the NFL, like I can tackle you one-on-one. No, no, you know, like I don't think like that. And I'm a professional athlete. But these, for whatever reason, basketball is the one sport where everybody that watches feels like they can do the same thing when you're out there. It's amazing. So, like, when you schooled that kid and you beat him 11 nothing, did you get kind of fatherly about it afterwards and pull him aside and explain the life lesson? Or did the white mamba instinct kick in and we like, yeah, that's what I thought. Get the fuck out of here and leave me your kicks. <laughs> more the latter <laughs> I was more like that I started calling him a coward for not giving me his shoes so he didn't want to pay his debt you know and then I started going at the camera and stuff like that like that's how this problem with you young kids man you guys don't don't show respect and then when you put yourself out there you don't follow through that's probably what's going to happen in your life you're not going to be able to follow through and you'll be coming to me you know 25 years later and say man I made a mistake I should have gave you my shoes I, I just went ham on them right I was oh, not dude. I was not trying to teach him a lesson at the time but you you know that's that whole level up and you know you've got to be a little psychotic to do this business especially if you don't have as much talent uh, I love that that is an amazing story I'm glad you had the uh, background too so before I let you go I thought Joakim Noah the legendary the icon Joe Noah made the statement about you once he said Scal you look like you suck but you don't suck end of quote like I see where he's going with that but what did you think when he said that and I could ask you about any number of your teammates what was he like to play with Ah, uh, so, you know, just recently he got honored in Chicago and I was just there like just a week ago. Right. And um, it was great to see, but not only my old teammates, but also like I'm starting to get that age where you're 10 years removed. So like you don't get to see these guys very often. But first of all, I love playing with Joe because like one thing about Joe, it's he has a weird combination. Like he doesn't want to show up on time. And sometimes he's always like, oh, man, we got to go out there and do this. But like something gets triggered in his head, but then when he goes into practice or he gets really competitive or for games, he's so locked in. So he has the, I'm completely locked in, competitive, and all I want to do is hyper-focus win. And he also has the laid-back approach where he, he shows up, you know, putting his jersey on five minutes before practice and stuff like that. So, you know, like I've, I'm coming off of being around Kevin Garnett, who is the most, like, diligent person you will ever meet in your entire life like he shoots at this time he lifts at this time he shows up he gets his massage like he is diligent as you can imagine hyper focused on winning and i was just when i first uh, met joe i i kind of introduced like things that you could do to, to like things that kevin garnett did that you can you know like incorporate into your own preparation 
to, so you can take that next step and be an all NBA type of player. And, um, but Joe was always receptive to all that because ultimately, and I think this most about NBA players, I always laugh when people say, ah, NBA players, they don't listen to anybody. No, that's not actually true. NBA players want every single advantage that they can get, and they will take that advantage and go with it if it suits them. And that's what, when I was talking about Kevin Garnett, even though those two guys hated each other on the court, I would say that you guys would be the best teammates ever. You guys would love each other because of the way you played and how focused you were on winning. And um, he took in some things that Garnett did, about, Garnett did and um, incorporated to his game. And I loved playing with him for that reason. He used to say something, Jim, which is opposite of what I think with the, uh, you know, the Richard Jefferson thing. But it was, if you're going to hoot with the owls, then you got to soar with the eagles. So if Joe was going to be out <laughs> at night, he would wake up at 7 a.m. You get the text message. Come on, man, let's go to the gym. We got to get we got to get after it 45 minutes. And I really a lot of people, you know how it can get late night. You sleep till noon, like, you know, like you, you roll in the next day. Like Joe was always about getting his work done. And I loved him about for that. Hey, man, if you can, right? So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the very best part there is no annual contract Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. If you can, I, I know, I remember earlier in my career, Brian, like we, we'd go pretty hard and then we could always get up, bounce back. And you always knew the job, like you did the job, but you know how it is. Once you get older, you don't bounce back. You got to make much better decisions. Like what about KG? Like this guy's work ethic was so intense and so fierce. Would he get after it at night? Would he pick his spots? How did he approach the nightlife given his nah, work he, ethic? He, he was, he was ultra focused. He was like the, the time that I was with him three straight years, we were right in the thick of trying to win. We won in 08 and we almost won in 2010, but he wasn't light. Like he was, he was so hyper-focused on the next day, the next game, the next game. I got to recover. I got to get ready for the next game. You know, I think LeBron James is also like that. They, they talk about just like, he'll go to dinner and he'll wear like the Norma Tech boots to kind of like get the inflammation out of his body. Like those guys who are trying to squeeze out every ounce of energy and talent they have in their, in whatever age or after so many miles, like those guys were really, you know, really focused on, on, you know, like what I have to do the next day and what I have to do to, to win a championship. And Garnett wasn't, wasn't uh, a big time going out and party type of guy. At least when I got him in Boston, he wasn't like that. All right. So before you go, Brian, really quickly, you've got that championship and nobody can take that from you. 2008. I'm curious, what does the ring represent to you? And then physically, like, where do you keep that thing? Do you break it out? No, it's so big, Jim. Right. And they're getting out of control now. So I think I've worn it. I wear it to like, you know, galas and, and things like that. Or people ask me, you know, like, we're going to do an appearance. Can you bring your ring? And I'll bring it. But 
it's like, I mean, it's like, I'm not even, I don't even wear my wedding ring. It's like, I'm just like, it's out of sight, out of mind. But, uh, but it means what more than anything, when people ask about my career and what was it like in this time and that time, it's all about the people. It is. It, it's like when I was with the Nets, it's all about like Jason Kidd and the coaching staff there, or maybe Richard, Richard Jefferson and, and the stories and, and the wars that we went through in the locker room and stuff like that and the weight room and seeing how people worked and t- trying to take something from them to I- improve my life, my kids' life. Hopefully, they're, you know, when they have kids, their life. So I remember Garnett, I, the Joe Kim Noah, Tom Thibodeau, my coaches, Doc Rivers. I, to me, it's all about those things. Those things represent for me the championship and all that the accolade that I'm I understand how I benefited from being a champion and in, in, in all walks of my life but I I remember more I get more from meeting the individuals Ray Allen's another one and how hard he worked and and like trying to incorporate that into like some kids that I might you know have a conversation with about how to become an elite player so Jim when I think about all that stuff it's not about the jewelry or the banner that's hanging behind me I do zoom flex with that but it's more about like the relationships I have. And that means a lot that, 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 and those memories mean more than, you know, wearing the ring to a gala right now. Brian, you get it. You get it. You always have one last thought. So since you, I mean, you, like I mentioned, you're so self-aware, like you, I understand who I was, what I meant to these teams, the, the amount of time that I played or didn't play at USC, you were the man. You had a great college career at USC. You helped lead that team to the elite eight and you were a first team all conference player. I mean, you were the guy. What was it like to live and work and go to USC and have that kind of role there? Leave me with that thought. Yeah, so I just, the one thing that um, Coach Bibby explained to me right from the beginning is you're going to come here and change the culture of this school, like for the basketball forever. And that was a big part of me going there. And you you say I was the man, but I'm always going to be this way, like. You Sam were, Clancy, I thought, was our most important player. Brandon Granville, our point guard, who's now a lawyer. I think he's an agent. Like, he made the whole thing go. Without those guys, I'm not the man. That's not... And that's not, and I had the most fun because once again, playing cards with your teammates on the night before a game and all that stuff and being roommates with Sam Clancy, like that, that is what was USC was like for me. But, you know, like the Galen Center, I probably raised $50 million for that place and I've only been in there one time. But, but that's to try the legacy that we try to, you know, leave moving forward. And Bibby told me, like, you're going to change the USC basketball. And I'm not trying to take all the credit. DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, there's so many good players that came out of USC. But I, I do feel like I was one of the pioneers for like this new wave of, of good USC basketball. You absolutely were. Those were fun times. Great teams. Brian, so good to get caught up with you, man. I appreciate it. I say, given your schedule, I know what you're up to. I really appreciate you making time for this podcast. Great to connect with you. And that was an absolute blast, man. Thank you so much. You got it, Jim. You know, I keep saying it, but I keep saying it because it's true. Conversations like these are exactly why the original side hustle exists. Raw, unfiltered, and extended conversations that you cannot get or find anywhere else. So my thanks to Scal for bringing that trademark wild man energy. That was absolutely tremendous, and it continues our streak of memorable chats right here on the original side hustle. If you like that episode, I've got great news because there are a lot more just like it, such as Ep197, which is going to drop a week from right now. And you can get ahead of the game simply by taking a second to subscribe. That way, every new episode will find its way right to you and you never have to worry about tracking it down instead. So while you do that, let me reward you with some of your very own voicemails. 
First new message. What's up, Vance Mag? It's Brady. What's the deal with these people coming for Trico? Now, here's my bigger question. If the win bets ads end with the question about, um, oh, shoot. I got to go. Sorry. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Vance Mac? This is Matt in Cleveland. First of all, being a Count Chocula impersonator, that just means you're a failed Twilight extra. What was time for Halloween? Uh, Vampirina? Uh, Hotel Transylvania? Sesame Street? Message saved. Next message. What's up, Jimmy? It's Dr. Dave. I got another episode of Jungle Tourette's today. Talking with this one high school senior who's going to college next year and seeing if he's going to be riding a bike at school. Asking if he has a really good bike lock because his school's like UCSB where the bikes get stolen all the fucking time to make sure that he does this. So your stories about getting your bike stolen all the time at UCSB stuck. All you clones, get your COVID boosters if you're eligible. Get your fucking flu shots. Later. Message deleted. Next message. What's up, Vance Magus Brady? Hey, uh, what I was trying to ask you about earlier was, uh, about the, uh, 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 crap. Let me, I'm gonna call you back later. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jimmy. This is a feminine silk again. I know you won't use me because I'm too controversial and too fabulous. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jim. Bella B in Calgary. I was just thinking, instead of having all these long-ass voicemails on the podcast, how about having the big head get some midweek predictions for us, you know, so we can start gambling on Wednesdays instead of Fridays. Thanks. Message saved. You have no more messages.